the MVP. Gazing down at the ball as he trots in a motion. Hani Mukhtar shoots with his right foot back in the net. Hani Mukhtar salvaged a point for Nashville against Charlotte, part of a two-point week before an 18-day break. We are currently in the middle of it. That audio of Hani Mukhtar's equalizing PK in like the 123rd minute against Charlotte, courtesy of 104.5 The Zone. Happy international break. I'm Wes Bowling. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. And that also includes... Tim Sullivan, the owner of ClubCountryUSA.com. Tim, nearly two weeks removed from that pair of draws. In Miami, scoreless draw, at home, against Charlotte, 1-1, two late goals in that one. A tale of two matches, I think, right? A good result Mm. to be the first team to shut out Messi on the road. Disappointing not to take all three at home against Charlotte. Yeah, I think it's always fair to be disappointed when you get anything less than three points. But obviously, uh, a a messy full Miami as as they were not this weekend and still managed to win. But uh, when you have Messi on the opposing touchline and you still manage to shut the team out, that's pretty good. Uh, the the Charlotte match was was as frustrating for the result as it was for the way it played out. Um, giving up a what appeared to be a winning goal right at the beginning of stoppage time, and then um. Needing a little bit of luck. Um, anytime you get a penalty kick, it's luck. Let's not get ourselves. <laughs> but to get the stoppage time, uh, get the stoppage time draw. Um, it's frustrating against a really bad team. But uh, I think if you if you said that Nashville SC was going to come away uh, with the draw in Miami, um, you know, I, I think we talked in in advance that three points was the was the not minimum, but like the expectation there. Um, four would have would have been what we expected, especially after that that draw against Miami, but. Um, you know, to drop those points against Charlotte is frustrating, but it's not the end of the world. So it's six, six winless though in league play, mm-hmm. uh, two goals scored in those six. And then league's cup, of course, in the middle of that, an oasis of excitement, uh, for Nashville SC supporters, so much going on. Of course, the team gets to a final, they play good soccer. How do you explain that discrepancy? Was this just a team that saw cup competition and said, we're a good cup team. Let's forget everything that's been encumbering us. So let's go for it. And then back to league play. It's like, oh yeah bunch of red cards, bunch of low scoring games. <laughs> I, I, to me, the team is the team. It's the same players out there. Why the difference in the two? Well, I think there's a couple of things to keep in mind. First of all, uh, I will, as I always do, note sample sizes. Uh, I know you, I knew you have <laughs> not knockout play is an individual result feels more important and knockout play. It feels like the difference between an individual result is far greater because you're either out of the competition or you're continuing to play. It's also important to keep in mind that that knockout competition did feature three draws. It's not like this club was in there winning every single game for nothing or something yeah. like that. So I think the the way the matches played out was a little bit closer to what you saw in league play. There wasn't as much of a difference between league play and what felt like a really good run and was a really good run in League's Cup. Um, you know, it just the 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 discrepancy between those two isn't isn't as great as it feels. Maybe, but the quality of the competition in League's Cup also. You got the 2-0 win over Monterey. You hold your own with America, two of the best clubs in the continent right now. Toluca, you lose, but you play stylish, you know, good soccer. I mean, to me, yeah, the results may be more similar than we think, but the competition was so good and the product on the field was so good. And we've just not seen that in league play, which is weird to me. Yeah, I, I, the Charlotte game was kind of a bad beat in terms of not finding a winner in regular time. I think I don't remember exactly what the uh, the expected goals were at you know as the clock struck ninety minutes, but it was something like one point five to zero point three. So that was kind of a bad beat game. And yes, we, we have seen a lot of those over, over the last couple of years for Nashville SC that have been frustrating moments. It, it yeah, like 
they performed better against the better competition. Haven't we seen this club do that for the better part of four years now yeah, too? Fair. So it's yeah. it's also something that um, you know, it's it can still be frustrating, but but not um, you know, something that really kind of diminishes our overall view of this club. And so things are an interesting spot for the boys in gold now with seven matches left in the season. Today, we're going to get into some prop bets and try to make some picks as to how the season's going to end for Nashville SC. One bit of good news, Nashville has the longest, I think it's good news, the longest break right now of any team in Major League Soccer. 18 days between matches. For comparison's sake, the SKC team playing the boys in gold uh, on Wednesday the 20th will play two games in that span. They've already played one, a draw or a loss in Miami. They'll go to Minnesota. So every team plays at least once, many of them even twice. During this break for the boys in gold, it's a chance for them and for us to reevaluate where things stand and what Nashville needs to do the rest of the way. So that's what we'll do today. Um, here's where things stand. Boys in gold, seventh place. Again, nine teams, quote unquote, make the playoffs. Eight versus nine is a play-in game, essentially. Not essentially, it is. Um, Nashville six points out of that top four position that would enable them to host the first uh, playoff series, not match, but series best two of three in the playoffs. Once you get past that play in game, um, eight points above the playoff line. So I don't think either of us think that's necessarily in peril, but today we're going to look at the home stretch, seven remaining matches. What do we think will happen? Tim, it is prop bet time. Are you excited? Yeah, I love a little uh, little prediction. It's definitely never an opportunity for us to look like idiots. But um, <laughs> I, I want to really quickly on the 18-day break, I think it's yes. probably kind of funny to think that Nashville, um, each club gets to gets to submit requests for which international break they play through. Um, I, I would assume that Nashville was like, hey, we won't play through this one because it will be a surefire call-up for Walker Zimmerman and we'll, we will not have to play without him. And it's Kind of funny to see how that's played out with his with his minor injuries, but as well as, um, you know, a first choice United States men's national team side, not not calling him up. Um, yes, in part because of those injuries, but it does mean that everybody basically gets gets a long break. Um, obviously, there are a few guys who are who are playing. Uh, I believe Randall Lyle is playing with Costa Rica right now. I honestly have not kept up with <laughs> the international break, but um, it's a it's a situation where. Uh, it's a well-deserved break for Nashville that has had one of the more crowded schedules, not least of which because of that run to the League's Cup final. But uh, yeah, it does make for for a hectic stretch run as we look, um, you know, starting uh, just over a week from uh, the time we are recording this podcast. And yeah, that, that is good news, actually. Randall is playing with Costa Rica right now. He actually scored against Saudi Arabia. Uh, Doesn't show how much attention I'm paying. (laughs) Played 25 minutes, got a goal. Uh, Started, played 74 minutes against UAE at press time. Uh, It just ended, well, wherever they're playing it, presumably, yeah, Croatia. So it ended maybe a bit ago. Uh, But Randall Leal is back. And and that's that's actually great news for him. Sidebar real fast. I know it's friendlies, and this is kind of the session where teams are trying out things with no real consequences outside, you know, Somehow World Cup qualifying already happening in South America, Euro qualifying in Europe. But Leal had been on the outside looking in of this uh, of this mm-hmm. setup. I know Nashville would love for him to be sticking around probably and working out with the team, but getting into a little bit of form here has to be a good thing for him, especially the confidence that could come with getting back, at least for now, inside the national team picture. Yeah, and it's something that um he's he's had uh I think somewhat public frustrations with with his place in the Ticos national teams. Always good to see him back. Um part of that is is probably because they have fewer morons and in, in their in their federation <laughs> lately. Um they're they're slowly weeding some of those guys out. They had a real 
real rough stretch there for probably five or six years. But um, yeah, for a guy who hasn't played a ton of soccer because of injury over the course of the summer, it's a chance for him to play his way back into form. And that's something that is that is really going to help as well. And, and you know, as we talk about Walker Zimmerman needs rest, Randall Lale needs minutes. These are kind of the best case scenarios the way it has mm-hmm. played out. Randall Bogadoy, of course, being used and used and used for Panama. 90 minutes in a I can't believe they draw. are still playing him just because like he's going to be too old to to be a major contributor in the next World Cup. Uh, I always have to give the disclaimer that we are older than him, <laughs> so he can only make so much fun. But it's it's just weird that they aren't trying to turn the page on generations. Yeah. Although I guess maybe they saw uh, what what their neighbor Costa Rica did and, and want to avoid some of the some of the uh, growing pains that they had there. Maybe because you've got a Victor Karaskia playing similar position, you know, I guess alongside him. I get it, him bringing guys along. I get him being part of the picture, but playing as many minutes as he is, ninety minutes against Guatemala on Sunday. Um, he played 56 minutes in a win against Martinique, picked up a yellow card, of course, uh, last Thursday. So, uh, yeah, he's getting some action. So there's your international break update that was not in the rundown, but uh, we'll get across <laughs> anyway. Um, and before we get to, again, prop bets, we're going to break down the schedule on our gold nuggets in just a second, tell you what remains for Nashville and then predict what will happen. Not just points, but also goals for a couple of key players, final position for this team, the top three in the East and West. It's going to be a lot of fun. And please put away your pens and Sharpies now. Do not write <laughs> these down. Do not put us on old takes exposed because inevitably we'll be wrong. But first, of course, ML Rose, Tim, uh, breaking news uh, as, as new menu items are coming into the rotation here. Uh, there are some Anibal Godoy's, if you will, in the ML Rose lineup. There will always be burgers. They're going to go the full 90 every time. But as of three hours ago, announcement, loaded queso. Loaded queso on the menu. I love the queso at ML Rose. It's fantastic. They've added chorizo, pico de gallo, grilled jalapenos to it. If you want that in your life, uh, pretty strong addition to the lineup. Yeah, I must say, when I first moved to Nashville, one of the things I was really disappointed in was the quality of queso around town. Um, so uh, when a place like Emma Rose that we trust to knock everything out of the park adds a little bit of queso, um, you're not you're, you're maybe not expecting a robust Mexican food experience when you go there, but you can trust them to, to knock that special out of the park. So I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah, uh, and I will say this too. I was out of town this past weekend, ordered some nachos, and the toppings on the nachos were just fine. It was all okay. The chips just absolutely fell apart. It was a big plate of nachos, and you got to the bottom, the best part, right, where all the toppings are are sitting, and the chips were soggy, and there was no point. ML Rose reinforces those chips. I don't know what the term is, twice fried or... (laughs) twice i don't know but they're they're like they're double right it's like a bank ball where you got the two doors and so you can get a little bit of you know of give on that first layer but there's gonna be a backbone of that chip and that's huge it it increases the shelf life of the nachos i think they probably have some sort of anodization process maybe (laughs) as they they cook them perhaps maybe so Uh, whatever they do to it they they do it well i had that thought while i'm sitting there watching college football in front of me at the city far far away no ML Rose in sight thinking, man, I I just, I didn't even appreciate that about ML Rose until I realized what else is out there. And it makes me want to come back home, back to ML Rose. So I will this week. <laughs> All right. Getting into our gold nuggets. Now let's take a look first at what remains for Nashville SC in these final seven matches of the 34 game slate. And then we'll get into what we think could happen in that stretch. So here's what's up home matches against the second and third place teams In the East, that's New England and Orlando. There's really no distinction between second and fourth, though, because Philadelphia is right there as well. And Nashville has to travel to Philly, the team, of course, that that beat them here 
in Nashville. Decision day, it comes. And then from Philly, they have to travel to Chester, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Delaware, you mean, I think, basically. (laughs) Chester is closer to the Delaware border than it is to downtown Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy. That's correct. Yeah. Close to the airport, too. Wilmington. Yeah. Yeah, The the Wilmington Union will host Nashville. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And the decision day is against the Red Bulls. So we talk about Eastern Conference games, four of the seven left against the East. You look at the Red Bulls in the standings and you say, all right, great. That's a team you can beat. It's a team Nashville's never beaten, actually. Yeah. Um, the Red Bull system, something they're still trying to figure out how to how to break down. Um, in terms of the three Western Conference opponents, second place right now, at least Seattle comes to town. Nashville goes away. A couple of maybe somewhat friendly contests. Uh, 12th place SKC is the next match on the schedule. It's a, a SKC team that'll be coming off just three days of rest. Uh, compared to 18 for Nashville uh, and then eighth place San Jose hosting Nashville certainly could be, could be a tough one, but it's not like you're going to LAFC or one mm-hmm. of those top, top teams. So th- those are the seven again, four Eastern conference, three West, five of the final seven teams are against teams that are either in the top seven or tied for the top seven. If you're using traditional MLS playoff position, not adding those other two, those other two games though, against teams outside that spot, a road game, of course, in San Jose and a match against the only East team NSC has never beaten. It is not an easy stretch, but it will be obviously a season defining stretch, Tim, for this team. Yeah, it's a situation where uh, we, we you know, have just talked about maybe some of the disappointing results um, during the ignominious streak before League's Cup and the, the couple games since League's Cup ended that uh, maybe didn't live up to expectations. And it's a position that Nashville has put itself in. I think when you look at how this club played two years ago, for example, uh, this this sort of um, you know struggle, limp to the finish or limp to the the approach to the finish was was something that was happening. And um, maybe you can look at that and say it's it's obviously a negative, and I, I think it is. But maybe you can also look at it and say, okay, this club has historically played its best against some of the best competition, um, or at least gotten great results against some of the best competition. When you look at decision day against LAFC last year, I would not say it was a well-played game, but it was a one zero win. So um, I think this is a situation that when you look at kind of the leadership that Nashville has and, and some of the, the feelings ball aspects that come into play, they will embrace the challenge. Now that doesn't yeah. guarantee that they are going to take advantage of it, but they will embrace this challenge over the final seven games. Tim going feelings ball before I even got the chance. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, I, but, but I, I was very explicit to say, I, I can't guarantee that it affects the results. No, and no, and I, I, but I do think, yeah, this is why you make the roster up like you do. This is why you stock mm. it with these these veteran influences that are going to, you know, not get too high, not get too low, even when things have not been great. Mathematically, what does Nashville need to do? That's the first question we'll raise here. Well, I'll give an answer as well. So, so the average fourth place finish over the last five standard seasons, so not 2020, 52 points. That's what it typically takes, give or take a few points, obviously, to finish top four and host a playoff match. Nashville's currently at 40 points, so you're looking at around 12 points in the final seven matches. Playoffs, usually 45 to 48 points. So you feel pretty decent about Nashville's ability, certainly, to get above the line, especially when that line's going to sag a little bit, given the play-in game opportunity. And so, Tim, it's prop bet time. With those 12 points in mind, we'll start with that. Over-under, number of points remaining for Nashville SC this season in seven matches, I'll put it at 12.5. That's your number. So that assumes two points per game at home. That assumes a win and one to two draws on the road. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go under, but I'm going to go barely under. Um, okay. I think Sporting Kansas City uh, is a team that, again, if you want to make the playoffs, you should beat them. 
you don't have to beat the beat them to make the playoffs because of the way you played earlier in the year, but uh, it would behoove you to, to look like a playoff team at some point in this in this stretch run. San Jose, I think, is tough. It's a really tough place to go. Not not in terms of the team that you're going to play or the stadium that you're going to play in, but like the travel, the distance, those sorts of aspects are really difficult. And this Nashville team um, struggled when they had to do it last year when they were in the Western Conference and had to go to all of those tough places. Um, it was it was a struggle for them. Um, Seattle, I see a draw. But then I do see Nashville earning draws against Orlando and in Philly. I think that's a situation that, again, this club often rises to the challenge. Um, sometimes they play down to to a lesser challenge as well, but they do rise to the toughest challenges. But I do think they also end on a two-game win streak. Revs win. Red Bulls first ever win against that club. Um, we've talked about it in the past, how um, less so Dax McCarty, but maybe Alex Muil and, and Sean Davis have not had their best games against Red Bulls. I think it's finally time for them to do that. Anyway, that, that suite of results puts it at exactly 12. So a half point below your over under, but right at the mark that you mentioned, that would that would be kind of what they're aiming for at this stage. Which would be a fine finish. Yeah. I think 52 points, even if you're fifth, you're thinking, hey, this team did what it could to get in the right form to, to make a run. Yes. And I will say one thing, the number of points, it's, it's going to be like a higher bar generally, obviously, because there are nine spots that there's going to be one additional place, but it's gonna be a higher bar generally because the East has beaten up on the West for most of this year. So the <laughs> East point numbers are going to have to be a little bit higher to get to the, the same comparative position for the most part. And um, so, you know, even if they do get to that, that 12 points, if they get, you know, 13 points, if they get another point somewhere in there, it doesn't necessarily guarantee um, kind of that, you know, that uh, top four or whatever. Uh, spot that you said that was for sure that good good qualifier thanks for that i'm gonna say a contingent over contingent over and it's contingent on the first result in this set i think that nashville exceeds 12.5 so, so you're saying so you're saying over 9.5 for the final six games is i guess the more yeah, accurate way to put pretty it. much yes <laughs> yeah. if nashville beats sporting kansas city in this first this first away match i think that puts it in a place whether strategically, whether feelings ball, whatever you want to call it, where they can get back to a place of saying, look, we can get we can get tough results. Um, SKC is not a tough team, but going to SKC is never a given, a place they won last year. I think if they beat SKC, they're in position to get a point in, in San Jose, just take advantage of the fact that some of their toughest remaining matches, all their tough, toughest remaining matches, except for Philly, are at home. And I think that's a big, big asset for this team. So I think if they beat SKC, they're on their way. Um, to yes, those 9.5 above in the final, in the final six, if they were to drop points there, uh, it, it really creates some tough challenges. I mean, it makes it tougher mathematically, but also I think it it creates even more questions in this team's mind after an 18 day break. I think this is a defining moment kind of game right now for this team. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I just don't have a ton of faith in Kansas City to to make that uh, difficulty uh, rise to the, that level. You're, it's I mean, you're probably right on that. I don't I don't blame you there. All right, on to individual performance. As producer Cameron runs in the background here, wanting to weigh in, <laughs> his favorite player is Hani Mukhtar. He's learned how to do the salute. So we'll go Hani Mukhtar goals over under in the final seven games. Four point five goals for Hani Mukhtar. Thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I I picked the over for this one. Obviously, his his dry spell in, in league play, uh, penalty kick at the end of the uh, Charlotte game aside, has been publicized pretty well. He was way ahead of the pack in terms of both um, you know golden boot race and MVP race earlier. And we'll talk about MVP race in a second. But I think he's going to snap out of it and have a nice stretch run to the season. And he's historically done that as well. It hasn't, again, been a guarantee. But um, he's he's closed regular season strong. And I think that 
he's going to do it again. And um, maybe I'm going to rethink my, my over under 12.5. If he, if he's hitting five plus goals in those, in those seven games, but we'll see. I will say well, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, I set the line and I said it because yeah. I was thinking I was between four and five here. I'm going to say mm-hmm. under uh, I'll say under in part, because I think other players will step up and contribute a little bit more. And Hani might be more of an assist man than a goal man. So I'll say under, but that's not to say he's going to score twice. I think he still has a good stretch run. He just does it by contributing more in the attack yeah. uh, than just goals. So four goals for Hani Mukhtar. Under, but not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I that's that's totally fair. And now I'm thinking maybe we should have done. Well, the one that we'll do in a second, maybe we should have done a combined for the two of them. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, yeah, so let's go. Let's hop on down to that then. So the okay. other goals over under is, of course, Sam Surridge. Uh, Mr. Striker here coming in has not had overwhelming success in league play. Of course, with great in leagues cup, though. Over under goals, the Vegas odds or more the, the Charlotte Park odds makers have set have set that at three and a half. Three and a half Sam Surridge goals over, under. Yeah, I think under, and and it's kind of for the opposite reason that you just mentioned about Mukhtar. I think Mukhtar is going to pick up the scoring mantle like he has in past years. Surridge is going to be a very important part of what happens here. Um, He is obviously more of a goal-scoring threat than we've seen in CJ Spong, Teal Bunbury, but he can do a lot of the stuff that allows Hani to be successful. And I think probably more so he can push those center backs back by making the run um, with a little bit more athletic ability than, than the older players that he's, that he stepped into replace can do. And that, that opens up the midfield for Hani. And I think it's going mm-hmm. to lead to Hani. And therefore I have under 3.5 for surge set pieces can really be a, a game changer there. And they can really yeah. affect how much Hani scores because he is taking the corner kicks. And, and that's <laughs> something that uh, if he's taking the corner kicks, then surge is going to be more likely to score them than Hani is. But um, yeah, I, th- I think under for surge, but if, if we did it, if we did the combined one at eight, eight flat, as it is, I'm going over. <laughs> I was about to say the exact same thing is that we're sitting, we're sitting at like eight, eight and a half combined goals, maybe a little higher than that. Cause I'm going to say over for surge here. Not dramatically over. He's not going to score one goal per game or anything like that. But I think he's set up for four, maybe five goals. I, but I, I like your logic, too, that Surridge opens things up for Mukhtar, maybe more than Mukhtar opens things up for, for Surridge. I just I go back to the Nottingham Forest blueprint and seeing what Surridge did to help that club earn promotion after joining in midseason, and it was on the counterattack. And I think at that point, it's 6-1, half dozen the other. Who's scoring on the counter? They're both going to be there. So who's the one knocking in the net? It's almost immaterial as long as somebody does. But I think Surridge, between set pieces, between those opportunities, hits the over. But now you mentioned set pieces with Hani, and I'm thinking the opposite and thinking PKs, of yeah, course. Free kicks, yeah. And so now I'm like, dang it, I should have gone over for Hani just for that reason. Um, I think nine combined goals between those two feels about about right to yeah. me, though, for the rest of the year. Agreed. Unless it sounds like Randall Layall is on an international break heater. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe the offense is ready to take that next step. For the fourth time in two seasons, we're going to make the cliche statement. Getting him back is like making a transfer late in the season. I already did that once and you shouted at me like two months ago. Um, final position. Oh, no. Hold on. We, I, we skipped one. Let's go back to it. So if Hani Mukhtar does indeed hit the over in your estimation, uh, he's going to be in contention for yeah. uh, a second straight and should be third straight MVP honor. As things stand right now, what percentage odds do you give him to get it done to become the MVP and win two straight. Yeah, I, I am at 35% right now. Um, He's still the golden boot leader, but it's, it's very close. He is no longer like in the same stratosphere as the assist leaders, which is where he's really lost a lot of ground. And an important part of the MVP race is, is team success and, and, his absence uh, from the score sheet, at least for most of the uh, past few league games, is a big part of why Nashville has dropped to where they are. 
I mean, look at a guy like Lucho Acosta. He is is lighting the world on fire, like as everyone has kind of uh, presumed that he was going to do. Um, Tiago Almada for Atlanta has his his club ahead of Nashville in the standings as well at this stage. It is a situation where the team success is is going to drag Hani down a little bit. It obviously didn't last year, but Hani was was so clearly head and shoulders above everyone else a season ago in a way that he's not this year. So I peg it at just thirty five percent. That still makes him if if you gave those other two guys. Uh, equal percentages that's would still make him a slight edge but i do think um when you look at it um he could finish second or third uh i think acosta has like 50 percent right now and i i, I mm-hmm. again because i think hani is about to have a little bit of a return to form i think it'll it'll bounce up to 35 percent. it is is very wide open but i think one thing that benefits honey is that leo messi has uh just taken all all the air in the room um, uh, the, the sickos are going to be sickos and still look at in more, more deeply into who's doing what in the league with so much messy talk. I don't think Messi's the MVP. I don't think he can be, I don't think he has time. Although if he scores 10 goals in the next seven matches, dude, if they, he, if they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, I would remember <laughs> how valuable is that going from the worst team? No, in the, yeah. in the league you're valuable. The you're valuable. Yeah. But the way this, this league typically votes, yeah. uh, well, there's no typical Messi's in the league. Now there's no, we can't revert back to history for anything. If he's nominated, if he's a finalist, he probably wins it. But if he's not a finalist, and I, I don't think he'll quite be there, then I think we the, the MLS uh, like intelligence is just going to revert back to all right. Look, where were we before all this all this started? Hani was the MVP last year. He's had a really good year again. He leads the league in goals. It's going to be Hani again. So I say forty five percent. I think it's a little higher. Because I think that's the way the thought process will go. Will it be deserved? I don't know that it will. I think honestly, Messi could deserve this when all is said yeah. and done. But but I think you know it's going to be collective. You know, collective consciousness has just kind of been zapped over the past month and a half. And I wonder if it returns to Hani because it's just kind of a default situation. Yeah, and it really is a situation where at this stage last year, Hani had it wrapped up basically. Yeah. At this stage this year, there are still a lot of really realistic contenders, including Messi. I I'm not willing to write him off if he scores and assists every game here on out and Miami makes the playoffs. He is the most valuable player. I, I don't know if the if the dictionary definition of most valuable is what most voters go on, but you look at Hani, there's a lot of soccer to be played for him. Um, and then you look at the two guys that I mentioned previously, um, where their teams are. Um, Tiago Almada has been, has been, you know, as Atlanta has surged up the table, has, has really woken up. If he keeps that going, there are just too many realistic options right now that um, it, you can't call it at this stage like you could last year, like you could two years ago, because they had already the extra time guys had already made the decision, even though, <laughs> even though Carlos Hill was like the fourth most valuable guy on his team. <laughs> they are the kingmakers. I do like that yeah. every time we talk about Hill, you drop him another level on his own team. It was third, I think, for a while. No, he, he was fourth. It was, I, it's like the, it's, T- Turner was an obvious Bo number Bo one, and then there Turner. was Bo, and I don't remember. It's, I just like sorted yeah. the the goals added uh, <laughs> from American Soccer Analysis. Oh, you could even argue Tejan Buchanan at times was more valuable than he at yeah, times. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so at far. Times. I mean, he was out for like <laughs> 10 matches, and it didn't matter because he'd already been crowned at that point. Um, Nashville's final position now. So you're predicting slightly under, so finishing around 52 points. I went contingently over to like 54 where does that where does that put them in the final final ranks? Yeah, it, it's tough. It really does depend on on what the bottom of the table does against the top of the table mm-hmm. as, as this stretch run um, continues. Cincinnati is going to wrap up the best season ever, and, and then maybe coast into the playoffs a little bit. That could really affect it. It could lower um, some of the some of the bar for what second and third place need to do, and so then maybe those teams start to take it easy a little bit. I think it sticks Nashville in in fifth, um, which is 
unfortunate given that's exactly where they were last year. And it was, it was a disappointment to be there. Um, so yes, a disappointing fifth, totally realistic that they could end up in fourth as well, though. I think fifth sounds good to me too. I'd love to to go different than you. Um, but if I'm saying over, shouldn't let me talk first. <laughs> I every time I've let you talk first here, I'll I'll take my final standings first. Although I'm seeing them in front of me right now. Oh, so it was Adam Buxa, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I think you missed okay. it. it was, I wasn't I was listening. Talking. I was, I was uh, talking you, too much. Sorry, just like my wife. Um, <laughs> I talk too much, and she doesn't listen. That's how that goes because I talk too much. Um, yeah, I think I think fifth is fair. I think just the math works out that way. I don't think they're going to end up in top four. I think the schedule is just tough enough. Um, and if they you know drop points in one or two of those six point matches, you know even if they just become two point matches as a result, it's it's a tough ask. I think for them to climb from seventh to fourth. I think seventh to fifth is reasonable. I think that's what they end up doing. And mm-hmm. they go on the road probably to a Philadelphia and Nashville SC fans gag even thinking about having to do that. Yeah, and I, and I will say if they if they eclipse the twelve point mark. Very, it's much easier to see them in fourth than it is seeing them hit the hit just that twelve point mark and finishing any lower than fifth. So there is more upside if they if they mm-hmm. do snap out of this kind of league funk that they are in right now. I guess what I'm saying is they get 13 points because <laughs> I went over. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna have to be 53, 54 for them to still be uh, as low as fifth place. I think um, top three in each conference. Let's let's uh, let's go there now, and, and we have some similarities I think here, but but just enough difference to create some conversation. Uh, top three in the Eastern Conference. Cincinnati's got it. I think that's that's mm-hmm. pretty clear. I think Philadelphia plays its way to to a pretty good position. I, I like where they are. They're in fourth, but they're just lurking. And I'm not they're, as much they're a believer. A, they have a game in hand, too. Right. On, and, and, on second and third. But big factor, too, New England, of course, without Bruce Arena now, who resigned after a long investigation into conduct we're still waiting to learn a little more about. Um, so I think they drop. I think Orlando, eh, I'm just not convinced. I think Philadelphia gets up into second. And I like Columbus a lot. I really like the moves that they've made. Adding somebody like Julian Gressel is a big move for them. Their attack is strong. I like Columbus to finish third. Cincy, Philly, Columbus. Fourth place, Orlando hosts Nashville in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, well, I I don't believe that to be the case because I believe it's third place, Orlando. Although I okay. do have the same first and second place. Um, as you mentioned, Cincinnati basically has it wrapped up. Um, they're nine points ahead with with seven games to go. That's they would really have to choose not not to win the supporters' shield at this point. I just mentioned a minute ago that um, they are going to have the, the highest point total ever. Or so um, it is a situation that they've got it wrapped up. And like you, I think Philly has enough in the tank. That game in hand is so important to me. They are mm-hmm. just two points behind New England, um, who I think we both predict to drop off a yep. little bit here um so they're they're just two points behind new england with a game in hand i think um when you look at what um jim Curtin has been able to do more in regular season than in playoffs or or knockout competitions historically unfortunately for the union because i think that he's a really good coach but it is a situation where i think they can climb up and um i i just like Orlando more than i like columbus there's there's not really <laughs> anything complicated <laughs> to that one uh, in the West, then, uh, we both have, I'll ruin it for everybody, St. Louis winning the West. Who would have predicted that at the beginning of the year? But the math just makes it hard, Tim, for anybody yeah. else at this point to get up there. There are a couple teams with some games in hand. They've got a seven-point lead over Seattle with the same number of games played, eight points over LAFC and Salt Lake. I mean, it might get close. It will get closer than that, I think. But they yeah. got to be the team to beat, right? Yeah, I mean, they're... It's very frustrating because they're really not that good, but they're when you Austin. run up and inc- they're Austin but, this year. Yeah, when you run up an incredible point total, um, you make it hard for teams to catch you, no matter how much better than you they are. And, and St. Louis has done that. Um, I have, I, I think the the 
uh, comparative positions of the next two is immaterial, but I think they're yeah. basically locks for it. And that's, I, I personally have Seattle and then LAFC, um, you know, you might have something very foolish, uh, to, to counter me, here. <laughs> uh, LAFC Seattle. Oh my goodness. It's really crazy. hard to believe you're wild, but I was about to use the phrase difference without distinction. So same, yeah. same here. I mean, I think they, they finish a point or two away from each other. I trust, LAFC's talent to figure it out, even though mm-hmm. form is really dipped. I'm not overwhelmed by Seattle. LAFC yeah. has a game in hand, but who knows? I do agree. They they really seem like second and third locks, even though Salt Lake's tied on points with LAFC, Houston, Vancouver, Minnesota. Somehow the next team's on the list because this league is weird. I think it, if we had a top nine prediction, it'd probably differ a lot, but those top yeah. three seem pretty, pretty firm. Yeah, I... I for Seattle, I just think they've played so stinky, but they're still in second place. So if they if they snap, kind of the same situation that Nashville's in, um, but you're in second place already. <laughs> is if they if they snap out of it, they have a lot of upside. So yeah. that that's my reason for Seattle. But uh, yeah, the rest of the West is a little uh, bit more grab bag for sure. If the top three ends up being anybody other than those three teams in some order, in some order, then I will buy one listener a burger at Melrose. Uh, at the end of the regular season. One listener. I don't know how we're going to determine that. All right, listeners, you are huge RSL Houston Vancouver fans right now. (laughs) If if you like burgers, and and we'll close by talking burgers for just a second, Tim. I saw footage on ML Rose's Instagram account last week. Uh, They had beer training. They have quarterly beer training for all employees. They don't just trust... That, that their team members are going to know what every beer is on the list. There are a lot of beers on that beer list. That's a lot of work. Instead, when they introduce their seasonal rotating beers, and this, of course, were the, were the fall beers, they sit down and they have beer training where they learn about the taste of these beers so they can intelligently discuss it to customers. Again, it's just an example of how this place goes to that next level to, to not just to you know trust its people, but to equip them to do their job excellently. And they do. Yeah, um, I'm currently heading to mlrose.com slash careers. This sounds, this sounds like a place that has a lot going for it. Um, yeah, I be, we've talked about it before. And um, you can go to a lot of places in town and, and get your American macro. You can go to a lot of places in town and get and get your your local and, and uh, national craft beers. But a lot of places around town, if you go to them and ask the bartender, hey, is, is this beer good? They'll say, mm, I don't know. I haven't tried it and I'm probably not going to. At ML Rose, you know your your server is going to at least uh, be able to to tell you a little bit about it. They're going to probably have tasted it at, at one of their tra- training events. And um, they're going to be able to tell you, you know, if you like this, uh, you'll like that and, and kind of give you the recommendations that that kind of takes ML Rose above and beyond just your your typical um, sports bar with really good burgers and, and great friends and and support your favorite soccer podcast of course that's the most important one it's it's a it is a concierge type of like feeling i mean obviously if you want something you like it they're going to give it to you but i've asked before and they've said not my favorite not our most popular mm-hmm. fyi and you're like all right steering away not wasting my money on that it stinks to sit down for a game and take a sip of beer like i gotta down this whole thing but i don't i feel dumb wasting it like yeah it's no i'm beer. a Anybody who's had a beer with me knows I'm a I'm a big zealot. I will order adventurously, but if I get something I don't like, well, that is my personal responsibility because I'm an adult and I should not have ordered something I that there was a risk I wasn't going to like. Yeah, we're responsible adults. We drink all of our beer, uh, <laughs> but it's great. They really do study these things, and, and yeah. even on going back to again at underscore ML Rose on Instagram, they they advertise their fall beer menu and they have tasting notes in the reel. In the in like for instance, this one classic Mars and style, malty and clean, orange is autumn with biscuit malt on the forefront. It's not snobby. It's thoughtful. <laughs> if you want to go and you want to order a Bud Light, they got that too. 
probably I haven't done it. I think they do, but they have great, great local selections. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, it, it is a great place. Like in eighth Avenue, the location closest to Geodas park, they have away games on as well. If you go, uh, but also capital view location, Mount Juliet and uh, the best and most important neighborhood in West Nashville. Uh, I can't miss experience if you've not been uh, or not been lately. Cause now the beers are new. Uh, yeah. And, and I, as we often encourage you guys to go there, we also, uh, Perhaps not often enough. Want to thank them for supporting our podcast. Indeed, always, forever, uh, and thank you for listening to our podcast. Anything else, Tim? Before we get out of here today? No, I just want to say, uh, you know, I'm. I guess I'm in a very thankful mood right now. I want to thank everybody who who bore with us as, as it took us a week to. Uh, we took a week off with Nashville SC a little bit here. Um, thanks for bearing with us, and, and thanks to everybody who's who's telling all your friends. I'm doing the rate review subscribe thing that is so so annoying to hear the host say at the end of every podcast but when you actually do it it really does help us out so mm-hmm. um this is a fan base that's growing and it's a podcast that's growing too so thank you to everybody who's helped that happen and just to keep our streak alive of college football references this, this is a college football podcast tennessee is going to beat florida in the swamp this weekend the over under 28 points i'm guessing it's not going to be pretty <laughs> but ball's going to win I'm, I'm calling it right here first win in the swamp since i was there in 03 that, well, yeah. c- c- congrats to those guys in advance. <laughs> sorry for jinxing it. <laughs> exactly. Since they congrats Am to Florida. Sorry for jinxing it though. Congrats to Florida in advance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to ML Rose for the tremendous burgers and their support. Uh, Moon Taxi for the music. Uh, as Tim mentioned, hop on. Give us a rating. Give us, give us a review. If it's a five star review on the Apple Podcasts app, we will read it on the show. Uh, and tell a friend about the show. Follow us each on Twitter. Thanks to the 440 Sports Network for providing this platform. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.